morning again, Oceanside Sanctuary. It's good to be with you on this, the fourth Sunday of Advent. Can you believe that we are already here? Christmas week is upon us, and this is our last Sunday in anticipation of the celebration of the Christmas season. And today we're going to be visiting our last Advent passage. It's from Luke chapter 1 verses 46 through 55. You've already heard it read today in our Advent uh, candle lighting and Advent reading segment in our worship service. But today I want to visit that passage again and share with you some of the ways that I think Mary's song invites us into a hopeful expectation of God's promises to come. Before we do that, would you just pray with me as always? Join with me as we center our hearts and our minds and prepare to hear from God's Word today. God, we thank you again so much for this Advent Sunday, for this opportunity for us to gather as a people across YouTube and Facebook. Even though we are separated each other uh, by distance, we are joined together. We're united together in spirit as we gather around the table of communion as we lift our voices in song and praise to you, and as we gather around the words of Scripture and ask that you would illuminate our hearts and our minds and give us a hopeful expectation of the promises to come. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55 is our passage today. If you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to go ahead and turn there. If you don't have your Bible with you, as always, We're going to put the words on the screen, but I'm going to actually begin by going back a little bit earlier in the passage than what we read for you earlier during the Advent candle lighting. So if you have your Bible, you can look back a little bit farther to verse 39, and we're actually going to begin there. This says, uh, in the beginning, in those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken by the Lord. Now, this is sort of the introduction to Mary's song that we're going to get into here in verse 46. But what we have here, of course, is Mary, the mother of Jesus, traveling to a Judean town in the hill country where Zechariah and Elizabeth are. These are Mary's relatives. Elizabeth is much older, but Mary's cousin. And Elizabeth also happens to be pregnant, only Elizabeth is pregnant with the the baby that will turn out to be John the Baptist. And so you have Jesus and Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, meeting, so to speak, for the first time while they're still in their mother's wombs. And this amazing story where Elizabeth, when she hears Mary come, the baby inside of Elizabeth, that is the baby that will be John the Baptist, leaps inside of her womb. She's filled with the Holy Spirit, and she recognizes immediately what this means, that Mary is also pregnant, and Mary is pregnant with the Messiah that is to come. And then what happens after that 
is essentially Mary's response to this incredible revelation that Elizabeth has given to her. And of course, we know that Mary already knows because of the pronouncement of the angel when she was told that she was pregnant by the Spirit of God with the Messiah of Israel. And so Mary would seem to be sort of bursting and ready, not only bursting with pregnancy, but bursting with this, this opportunity to sing with joy about this great revelation that God has made to her, not only through the angel, but now confirmed through Elizabeth. And that's where we jump into Mary's song. So Mary responds in verse 46 to what Elizabeth says by literally singing in this sort of poetic form that we see in Luke chapter 1. And here's what Mary sings. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. And surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever." And that's Mary's song. And, you know, the first thing that you might notice about Mary's song is that even though she's pregnant, even though Jesus hasn't been born yet, that she is singing the future promises of God, but she's singing about them in a way as though they have already been accomplished, as though these, these promises of God have already occurred. Right there in the middle of that song in verse 51, 52, and 53, she's saying that these great reversals have already occurred. There's a little bit of a puzzle as you read through this because, of course, none of this has come to pass yet. None of these reversals in power have happened. Mary is simply pregnant with the Messiah to come. This reminds me a little bit of a, a line from an old T.S. Eliot poem that goes something like this. He says, what we call the beginning is often the end. And to make an end is to make a beginning. The end is where we start from. I think there's a little bit of that going on in this passage, that when T.S. Eliot says the end is where we start from, I think the end is where Mary is starting from here. And it begins with this incredible sense of hope that she has for the future. Mary is not just pregnant with Jesus. She's not just pregnant with the Messiah that was prophesied by the old Israeli prophets. Mary is also pregnant with incredible joy. And because she's pregnant with joy, because of the hope of the promise that's to come, she literally bursts into a song in response to Mary, or Elizabeth's great joy upon meeting her. And that song, this incredible song of joy, does exactly what we talked about earlier. It sings or describes or celebrates in a poetic way 
the promises that God makes to reverse Israel's fortunes and vindicate the people of God once and for all. We see three of these great reversals in this song, and we'll just take another quick look at them now. Verse 51, as a part of Mary's song, Mary says, He, meaning God, has shown great strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. So the first great reversal that Mary sings about here is that those who are proud, those who think very highly of themselves, those who are maybe smug or haughty or elitist, God has scattered them in their thoughts. God has reversed their pride and turned them against their own thoughts of, of being better than those who are below them. That's the first reversal that Mary sings about here, that God has struck down those who consider themselves to be better than others. Verse 52, the second great reversal is he has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. Literally, the song sings, God lowers the powerful and empowers the lowly. This reversal is so reminiscent of a lot of those Old Testament prophecies that we have visited this year that talk in Isaiah, for example, about making straight the way of the Lord and lowering the mountains and raising the valleys and these sort of rich poetic structures of these old ancient prophecies. We often see this exact reversal happening. There is a promise being made by God's ancient prophets that someday all that is wrong will be made right again. And that promise is often characterized in this way, that those who are powerful and wealthy and rich will be brought low, and those who are lowly and poor and beaten down will be brought high. There will be a righting of all of the wrongs. And in verse 53, we see another image just like that. It says, He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. I love this sort of juxtaposition of hunger with filling. Uh, essentially, Mary is singing that God comes to fill the empty and empty the filled. Again, there is this concept that all that is wrong is going to be reversed and made right again. And we see these incredible images that evoke these ideas that there are people who have been beaten down and struck down and ground down by others who have power and wealth and for whatever reason have abused that power and that wealth. And there is this ancient promise that God is going to make all of that right again. Mary is, of course, singing this as one of the great woman poets of Scripture who's entrusted with this incredible message that the people of Israel who have been under the thumb of a foreign power, who have beaten, been beaten down and subjugated, are going to be lifted up again. This is why, of course, she has great joy. But before these three great reversals that she sings of, Mary actually sings of her own great reversal. You might have noticed that right at the beginning of the song. Before she sings about this incredible reordering of society, this sort of revolutionary turn that God is going to bring about, she actually sings of her own great reversal first. If you look back at verse 46, you'll see it. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he's looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. That's an 
interesting phrase because Mary, it turns out, would not have been very lowly. One of the things that we learn from this passage in Luke chapter 1 is that Mary is directly related to some fairly prestigious people in Israel. Uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah are a priestly family. So Mary is probably not a lowly peasant. Mary is probably a part of a respectable middle-class family during that time. And yet here, in this line, verse 47 and verse 48, she says that she is a lowly servant. She uses a word that literally means a servant or an attendant or even a slave. But she says that God has looked down on his lowly servant, and surely from now on, verse 48, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Mary experiences her own great reversal, her own experience of her life being completely turned upside down and all of her fortunes changed for the better because of what God has brought. And what God has brought to her is literally that she is pregnant with the hope, the expectation of the Messiah. Mary is literally a walking embodiment of the hope of God for God's people at a time when they are incredibly low, incredibly beaten down, and incredibly subjugated by a foreign power. For Mary, because Mary is now pregnant with this hope, pregnant with this Messiah, she is a walking, talking embodiment of that promise. The end has literally already begun in her. And this is why she can sing of a future that has already been accomplished because that future is fully present in her pregnancy. Here she stands, here she sings as a manifestation of the reality of God's presence. And all of that joy comes out of her as a kind of certainty that the good thing that has always been promised is finally here and has been assured. If any of you have ever been in a situation where you have felt so low and so tired and so beaten down, and then a moment of hope has come to you, and that hope has literally resurrected you inside to the point where you suddenly were sure that everything was going to be okay, even though it hadn't yet come to pass, then you know a little bit of what it must have been like for Mary that day. You know, last week I told the story of Gary, who's a member of our congregation and who was homeless for six years. For six years, slept in a bush in the riverbed here in Oceanside. And then finally last year, after many years of waiting, was approved for a Section 8 voucher. And I told you all about him moving into his new place and, and the opportunity that that has provided for him to finally have some security and some stability in his life and how it's literally revolutionized his life. But one thing I, I remember about Gary in this whole process is that, of course, from the time that he was told that he had the Section 8 voucher to the time that he actually got into his apartment was many, many months. It took about seven months for Gary to find an apartment, to get everything lined up, to get all the paperwork turned in and submitted, and to, to jump through all the hoops and leap over all the hurdles that are involved in finally getting into a Section 
eight apartment. That's a difficult process. It's a process that requires a lot of determination, a lot of perseverance, and a lot of grit. And Gary had a lot of help doing it. You know, we had folks here at the church trying to help him get everything in order and everything in line. He even had his own social worker working with him. And I remember one day Gary came here to the church and I asked him, how's it going with the apartment hunt and all of that? And he he explained to me all of the bureaucratic hurdles that he was trying to overcome in order to make this happen. And he said, you know, I was talking to my social worker the other day and she just said to me, you know, Gary, I'm really hoping that we can work this out because I think that, you know, this is something that you really need, but I got to be honest, I'm really having a hard time getting past this particular obstacle. And, you know, the funny thing about this story is I think that in some ways Gary's social worker was trying to sort of put onto Gary the responsibility for getting this particular task taken care of. And so I said, well, you know, Gary, what did you say to your social worker when she told you that? And he said, you know what I said? I said, you know what? That's okay. I know that you can handle this problem. You know why? And she said, uh, no, why, Gary? And he said, because you're my advocate. And what you're going to do is get on the phone and call those people and advocate for me until this problem is solved. And she said, okay, Gary, that's what I'm gonna do. And Gary said, I just decided that that is what she's supposed to be doing, and it's our job to work together to make this happen. And I just laughed because, you know, anybody who has been through this kind of process knows that it can be an incredibly disheartening process to maneuver through all the obstacles and challenges and barriers that are often put in the way of people who are trying to get off the street and find stable housing. But Gary was 100% certain that this was going to work out for him. From the moment that Gary was told that he was approved for his voucher, he never doubted for a moment, at least not when he was around me, that this was an absolute certainty, even though it took months and months of doing, even though it took an incredible amount of work by multiple people to make it happen, Gary was so sure that this was going to happen that he had the perseverance necessary to make sure that he overcame those hurdles with the help of other people. Now, the reason I tell you this story is because I think it illustrates exactly how it is that when the Spirit of God comes and brings hope into our lives, that those things that we are hoping for are coming true. Now, I don't mean to say, and don't get me wrong, I don't mean to say that when God promises us something, that if we just believe it, that it will happen. And I know a lot of people believe that, and perhaps you've been taught that by other pastors, that if you just have enough faith, then whatever it is that you want will come true. But that's not how God's promises work. God's promises are not magic. Magic is the power that we receive to control and manipulate and guarantee our outcomes. But God's promises are not magic for us. God's hope is not a way for us to control and manipulate and coerce others so that we can get what we want. Rather, God's promises give us the perseverance that we need to see through the difficulties that we face. And in that way, when God's hope comes to us, when we are pregnant with God's hope, 
we have all the grit and determination and perseverance that we need to see it through to the end. And in that way, it is very much a certainty that God's promises will come true in our lives. That is the hope of Advent. That's what happens when we become pregnant with the promises of God and that, that expectation flows out of us as joy and certainty even before the thing has actually happened. Today, my questions for you are, how has God's Spirit made you pregnant with hope? How is it that at this time in your life, in spite of whatever difficulties you might be facing, how do you feel pregnant with the hope of God for good possibilities in the future? Number two, how are we called together to embody God's promises? Just like Mary literally embodied the promises of God for God's people during her time, how is it that we, together as a church, are called to embody God's promises for the communities that we're a part of here in North San Diego County. And then lastly, how can we individually and as a church sing of God's good future to a watching and waiting and in many cases hurting world around us? How is it that we, like Mary, can bring our hope and our joy in the midst of difficulties to sing of God's goodness in a way that imparts hope and joy to other people. Those are my questions for you. Thank you for joining me today. Would you just close with me in a word of prayer as always? God, we thank you again for these passages that uh, inspire and challenge us. We ask that you would cause us to be people of hope, cause us to be people who are pregnant with expectation for the good things that you're calling us to embody and the promises that you are calling us to live into. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. What up, OSC? My name is Jordan Hathcock. I'm actually a board member here, believe it or not. <laughs> this is never going to get old, sorry. Um, I am here to talk about our year in fun drive. Woo! Wow, it's that time of year again, folks. <laughs> Oh man, I don't know about you, but for me, talking about money in church is kind of kind of a trigger <laughs> due to a lot of things from my past church experiences, um, you know, abusing and uh, unethical, unethical practices and whatnot. But I'm stepping out of my comfort zone because I strongly believe that here at OSC, we are definitely um, making an effort to use our finances healthily. Um, I, I've been here almost four years and I can see it. And so that's why I'm talking about it. Cause I'm excited. I really am. I'm super stoked <laughs> to see what Oceanside Sanctuary is doing within our communities. So I'm just going to talk about, talk about a couple things. One, we are deeply, um, rooted when it comes to social services. Uh, our Sierra Hope Pantry is a, a perfect example, feeding 100 houseless ha families a month. Awesome, amazing. Thank you so much to all of the volunteers. Um, we, we really strongly believe that uh, we are called to um, do whatever we can 
for the homeless in our community. Uh, and I'm, I'm just really excited to see what we're gonna do in the future with this. Um, secondly, uh, we have free, free, you get that? <laughs> Online classes. Um, really cool uh, to see how that's turning out. Uh, we have book clubs online. We have a call and response scripture study. We have one of my favorites, uh, Outgrowing Immature Religion, all talking about big uh, questions for our day and age with being Christian in a, uh, our current uh, social context. And it's amazing seeing um, the fruits of that. You know, we just finished a book club um, about a book about anti-racism, which is amazing uh, to see just people showing up and really interested in, in trying to make a difference. Um, so it's, so our classes are amazing. Um, just a, a, another factor of what we're trying to be uh, in, uh, in our community, uh, looking to heal and liberate those that are, are, are done with the same old, same old church practice, practices that are not just, not really fulfilling people. And I think our online classes are really showing us, showing people that we uh, do care and um, excited about that. Um, thirdly, uh, our uh, our church is really stepping into that space of being 100% affirming, welcoming, uh, and embracing to all walks of life, LGBTQ, black, white, nuns, duns, <laughs> burnouts, uh, whatever's your flavor, we're, we're looking to be a space for those people. We're, we're a place that we're trying to connect people and grow into this gospel uh, of love, this love community that Jesus represented, the kingdom of God and whatnot. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, and lastly, we're we're really authentically and curiously Christian. We, we love this tradition. We love the scriptures. We love the liturgies. We love the sacrament. Um, we're, we're really interested in this faith. Um, it's ancient faith, but we're seeing it as important in this day and age. And I think it's amazing to see that as well. So I don't know, folks. I think that's all I got. I mean, what else is there to say? Many more things. <laughs> but that's all I have for you today. <laughs> um, thanks for watching. Um, if you feel so inclined, check out our website, OceanSideSanctuary.org. You'll find a link there. Um, and yeah, you know, let's let's end this crazy year and maybe on a good foot. And so we can take it to the next year. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, thank you guys for watching. Miss you guys. Hope everyone's safe and healthy. Love you. I think that's it for me. See ya. Hey guys, it's Kaya. Uh, before you head off, we have a couple quick announcements for you this morning. Um, if you are new to the Oceanside Sanctionary, we would love to get to know you, uh, connect with you, contact you, uh, see how you're doing. Um, so simply just head over to our website at oceansidesanctuary.org slash contact. Um, fill out that contact information card and we'll um, be in touch with you. Um, the second is our Christmas Eve carols and candies online service is um, on Christmas Eve or the 24th of December at 4 p.m. 
we are planning a very special Christmas Eve service on Facebook and YouTube. So you guys should totally mark your calendars, join us for some Christmas Eve fun. I know that I'll be there and so will my family. So I think it's gonna be really fun. So uh, mark your calendars. Um, thank you to everyone who took part in our 2023 mission listening session. We have put together a lot of data and you can see the results on a new section of our website. Um, this is an opportunity to give feedback on the direction of where our church is going in the future. We'd love to see your input on that situation. So just head over to our website. Um, it's at OceansideSanctuary.org slash mission um, and then dash commitment for more. Um, finally, the Congregation Connection on Zoom is December 27th um, at 10.15 a.m. right after church. Um, we, will, we would love to see all of your faces on the Zoom. Even though we can't get together in person, we want to connect with you. Um, so right after the service on the 27th, we're going to be hosting a Zoom where we can all catch up, get to know each other if you're new, uh, see how you're doing in this time of the pandemic. Um, whatever, we can chat about whatever stood out to you in the sermons, how you liked it. Um, come meet with us and you can come meet some brand new people on that Zoom at 10.15 on December 27th, right after church service. Um, thank you guys for watching and sticking around. I hope you enjoyed the sermon um, and we'll see you next time.